BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our Bannerman. Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Fa, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson, Lord John of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel, Lady Adrian of House Dillard, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Lady Lismalin of House Morales. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Squire to Sir Matt, Lady Betsy of House Hudson. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we're into Catelyn 7 of A Clash of Kings. And in our Raven, we will be talking about the smiling Kettle Black Knight. Yeah, as You know, we were, starting, we were trying to search some things for Osmond Kettle Black and nothing comes up. He's like mm-hmm. some guy that... Nobody talks about really. So yeah. it's like, okay, well, we will. We will. We, we will. And to, we will. And stick around, talk, by the to way. talk about this guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Stick around by, uh, you know, for the end of this because I think we've got something cooking here and maybe a, a small Winds of Winter prediction that you guys might like. It's definitely uh, Tinfoil and Rabbit Hole City, but uh, that's what we do. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Well, as uh, we're going to start with a little bit of news. Now, um, this has somewhat something to do, I suppose, with Game of Thrones, uh, Song of Ice and Fire. I would argue that most people that are going to be watching this video on YouTube as this, you know, our podcast gets turned into videos, um, probably not necessarily Game of Thrones fans that are going to be coming to talk about this. As we're going to talk a little bit about business and some of the business dealings because it will affect, I think, Game of Thrones westeros content in a great way in the future so um last night uh as as i've, I've talked about this a little bit i'm like a heavy at&t investor right i like at t yeah. sock got a great dividend i'm all about it um and so i saw some of this news last night that seems like uh at&t is going to be spinning out warner media which is cartoon network warner brothers DC Comics, all that stuff, right? Um, And they're going to be doing a merger with Discovery, right? So sort of Discovery, Discovery owns like History Channel, all this stuff. And um, it was just kind of announced today. They have, there's not like a ton of news on it yet. It seems like it's going to be 
2022 at some point when this all goes down. Um, AT&T is still going to own, AT&T shareholders, they said, are going to own 70% of the company, like Discovery, and people are going to own like 30%. Um, but what this means, though, is that now you're going to have um, content people uh, with Discovery, because it seems like they're going to be a little bit more the ones managing this, running this. Um, running a content company as opposed to a telephone company running a content company. You know, if that makes if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So there's no news as to if, it, if yet if it's going to merge, if they're going to be like one, if it's going to be HBO Max and Discovery gets folded in, are they just going to rebrand it um, like Paramount Plus kind of does that where you get like you can watch some live TV. Uh, and it's kind of merged, you know, Disney has like Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu. Um, you kind of get a pick, but you don't get all of at once. And so, you, you know, is that one is that one way to go? Um, I think it's super awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really, really cool. And even as a investor, uh, I think it's I think it's great. A lot of people are saying that it's bad news for AT&T. I don't think so. I think it's great news for Westeros and Game mm -hmm. of Thrones because right now what they're saying is Netflix spends roughly $17 billion on content um, a year to keep to keep going, which that's a lot yeah. of money. That's a yeah. lot of money <laughs> yep. for oh, yeah. a lot of money to keep making making new shows. Some work, some don't. Uh, and they said they said they're already saying that they're planning on doing $20 billion. Mm -hmm. And if you're Discovery Channel and you're sort of absorbing a lot of this and you're going to be managing it and whatever it is you guys are working on and you're going to be become basically some sort of media conglomerate, Goliath, um, then, I mean, what's your sort of HBO crown jewel is... Oh. I mean, Westeros. I mean, it's Game of Thrones. That's why people are House of Dragons. That's baby. the the that's the thing. So to me, it sounds like more money for the for the for Westeros budgets. So I'm down. Yeah, this is cool, and I think I, I did just a little bit of digging just to kind of you know figure out more about it. It seems like they Discovery has that that more of that global market in sports, right? Was in that kind of something mm -hmm. that you were lo looking into a bit as well. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you know we're talking. Global stuff here. It seems like they're going bigger, right? I mean, going bigger, more. I yeah. mean, I'm all, I'm all for it. You know, it is interesting. I think, uh, and there's still not much out on on all of this, but because we were, at, I was asking the question. You know, is is it um, Discovery Plus, HBO Max? That HBO Max just came out. That's just like that's cool, right? So like, are they under right. one umbrella? Or are they going to be two separate? You know, apps. I mean, Netflix. I just go to Netflix. I click on Netflix and. It's easy. But it's all there, man. You know, so but it is kind of cool. Well, well, yeah, it is. It it is all there. You just have to know what's there. That is yep. the disadvantage to Netflix. Is you have to think like, what are the Netflix shows? Whereas like Disney, I'm like, I know what's there. Oh yeah, I can go watch yeah. Star. As soon as I click, as soon as I click in, oh Star Wars, boom, Marvel, yeah. boom, I'm set. Right. Um, like that's what I. That's where I. That's where I think Disney's got the best branding in terms of that. HBO is a little bit better because you go and you're like, oh, cool, Cartoon Network, DC Comics, stuff like that uh, with, mm -hmm. with Warner with Warner Media essentially. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. Um, yeah. But I think it's cool because now the streaming service that we're going to be using a lot seems like it's about to get a lot better. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're talking, you know, disco it's a discovery. I think owns a and e which is where or maybe it's amc is that where walking dead is that's that's kind of like but they, oh, have, the, okay. they have the history channels yeah. so they have a lot of yeah yeah the, yeah they the history channel discovery channel one of Ez's other favorite shows oak island yeah yeah that, I mean, that, that's, that's all exciting that's i think that's them. really that's really cool if they are merging these and you get more out of going to to one thing or even just the idea i guess that um they're looking at producing, increasing the budget, and really just making more awesome content. And we're hoping they dedicate a lot of that, you know, to Westeros. Looks like that's already we know that's already happening, and and we're just hoping it kind of continues. So it seems like good news, you know. It seems like like they're going big. Like yeah, I think gotta, it's gonna gotta, be awesome. Play, yeah, I gotta play with the other, you know, streaming services. It's this streaming wars or whatever that's going on. It's uh, 
I mean, for for us, I think it's great. <laughs> like we just get more cool content. Now, the thing is, you know, we yeah, you want to you want to watch Disney. You got to pay for that. There's something on Netflix you want to watch. You get a lot of hopping around and stuff. But, um, I mean, I would rather them kind of you know merge and and put a lot of stuff in big in like and only have like a couple like big three or whatever that I can just go to and get a lot of my uh, shows there. That'd be cool. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. no, it's great. It's it's great, and I think it's also it's also good that it's going to be content people running this instead of telephone people, right? Whereas yeah. it's AT and T, you know, because they're like they're like trying to take on Verizon, not like oh we're trying to take on Disney and make like the best movies and the best, right? You know, TV show. Now you have that, so that to me says all you know because there's all these upcoming H, there's all this upcoming Westeros stuff, right? Right. I mean all of this. All this stuff, and so now the people that are going to be making the the high up decisions on it are going to be people who know what they're doing, as opposed to telephone people. So, well, yeah, awesome. and, and they probably have you know, it's the connections, it's who you know, who you hiring to oversee those shows and do and do those things. I think that is important, and maybe if this if uh, you know the people at Discovery are better at that, and we can make sure that everything is is because when you when you allot that budget, you want especially with with House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones stuff. It's gotta, it's gotta land. They're putting so much money into it. It's and then you've got to build kind of like a Westero, Westeros verse, if you will, is what they're doing. They're seeing that what Marvel did and what some of these other, you know, like like Star Wars. You're building these universes and stuff. So let's go. Let's let's have the Westeros yeah. verse and let's get after it. Well, to me, it sounds like there's a lot more money coming too, which is great because uh, Lord of the Rings show apparently has half a billion dollars for a budget. Right. So yeah. There's a lot of money being thrown around. I want all of it. And I want yeah. the cool tie-ins. I want yeah. all these cool tie-ins, you know? Are we going to get Game of Thrones stuff on History Channel now? You know? Are there, is somebody going to come sell, like, a sword at Pawn Stars? And there's going to be like, well, oh, I don't know. Let my. me go get an expert. And then in walks Kit Harrington. Oh, He's like, oh, right, it looks like the real deal, you know? Dude, then, what? Yeah. Right, I'll give you three bucks for it. I mean, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like the for is it is forged in fire. It's, I don't even know if that's a part of the thing. You know the guys that yeah. make the sword. Is that a part of the same network? I don't know. It is. Um, I think it's Discovery is it, Channel. Is it? Are we going to get it? the Game of Thrones forged in fire? That show is awesome. By could the way, could you imagine if they did like a version of that? For I mean, that would be maybe they already it have. Had, and I it, like even I think it, it. I think it forged in fire. You can watch it on Hulu. Looks like you can also watch it on Discovery Plus. It is. It's got. It's got to be like History Channel, right? I mean, I don't know. I think it yep. is History History Channel. Is it okay? Cool. I mean, yeah. I love that show. So, do we do we maybe get a super edited version of Game of Thrones that airs on TV? Like you sure. know how like you know how sometimes they'll syndicate shows. Yeah, that'd be wild. That would be wild. I don't know. I think you could do it. I think you. I think you could probably edit. Well, I don't know some of the. I yeah, don't know how to do it, but some episodes you just gotta <laughs> cut out altogether. <laughs> I mean, The Walking oh, Dead's like some of that stuff's like pretty brutal. And that guy's like right. that guy with the baseball bat or whatever. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm so, down. Anyway, I think it's all. I think it's all cool. I'm excited, uh, and I. I think it's gonna be awesome. It sounds like sounds like sounds like a win for us. So yeah. I'll I'll take it. So, okay, all right, as well, uh, shall we move on to the reread here? Because I know you have a uh, sort of a raven theory you really want to get to yeah. here. So let's dive in to the reread. So this time we're into Catlin 7 of A Clash of Kings, which is actually, I think, our last Catlin chapter yeah. of the book. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, we are, I think, by the end of this summer, um, we're going to be really coming to the, to the end of... Um, Clash of Kings, and I cannot wait. I can't wait to move forward, you know, because a Storm of Swords. I mean, everything just kind of just. I mean, it's you've talked about it. It's it's amazing. Lots of cool stuff. All right. Uh, so yeah, here we and are. And then, do we do boiled leather? Do we do the? I don't know. I kind of want to almost. I know. I wonder what people. Maybe we put it to do, uh, which is for those of you that don't know. Those so boiled leather. So a feast for crows and a dance with dragons are essentially supposed to be one book. And there, there's many. There, there are people have broken it down, and you can read it all as one. And I think you've said as that you think it makes way more sense if you do it that way. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've I've looked at two because there are. If you put them side by side, the one you just mentioned, and then there's another one, a feast, a feast with dragons or a something feast like for that. Dragons, maybe. Yeah, and 
I forget who did that. Yeah. Uh, it, it might even have been um, uh, Brendan. Uh, what's his name? Brent Brendan B Fish or whatever the the Reddit guy. Um, Fish, the Reddit guy. Yeah, I think some yeah. of those guys put together like lists where they said, "Hey, this is a really good chronological way to read it," or that this makes sense. I I was reading um, that. Uh, I think it's called a Feast with Dragons, and it was cool. It really was cool, actually. When I when I started, I was like, "Wow, this is interesting." Because if you've already done a straight through read, or you've even done a point of view read on certain characters, it's just another way to go consume it, and it helps you kind of keep characters and, and plot points and themes, by the way, and like and like word choice and oh gosh, symbols that George puts around characters. It keeps them fresh in the mind, uh, especially when you associate them with other characters too. So it's. Or regions, I guess, too. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. That's like that's like still over a year away. So who knows? We'll, yeah, we, yeah, okay. We'll we'll get yeah. there. And then in five years when Winds of Winter comes out, we'll figure that out too. But Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming in five years. With, within um, five years. Maybe. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Well, as we dive into it here, uh Catelyn hears the celebration going on in River Run, but she sits alone with Brienne and a desolate over the loss of her two young sons. The raven arrived that morning, and Catelyn is beside herself with grief, despondent at the thought nearly all her children are dead or lost. She tells Brienne that she sent the, king, the Kingslayer a bottle of wine to loosen his tongue. She means to question him, and is perhaps contemplating having the man killed since she has so little to live for anymore. At midnight, Catelyn goes to interrogate Jamie, but Brienne asks, uh, but asks Brienne to wait outside. Jamie mocks her at first, but eventually agrees to answer her questions if she agrees to answer his. Jamie admits to being the father to Cersei's children uh, and to throwing Bran out the tower. However, Jamie denies sending the assassin. If I wanted Bran, if I wanted your Bran dead, I would have killed him myself. Catelyn questions him about the dagger that Littlefinger claimed Tyrion had won from him. Jamie backs what Tyrion told her in the Mountains of the Moon, that he always bets on his brother and lost at that tourney. Jamie admits that King Robert mocked him with the dagger at the feast the night of the tourney, and Catelyn is dismayed that Littlefinger, who was like a brother to her once, like a brother to her once, would deceive her the way he has. Catelyn then reveals that Rob has recently taken the crag from the Westerlings and marched ever closer to Casterly Rock. Jamie then steers the conversation to what really happened to Brand, Brandon Stark and Lord Rickard at the hands of the Mad King, perhaps to absolve himself of having slain the king. Brandon went on his way to Riverrun when he learned of Lyanna's disappearance and instead went to King's Landing with a handful of friends, all sons of prominent lords, and upon entering the Red Keep, Brandon shouted for Rhaegar to come out and die. Rhaegar was not there to answer the challenge, and Ares had Brandon and the men arrested for conspiring to murder his heir. Ares demanded the fathers of the men come to King's Landing to answer the charges against their sons. When they came, both fathers and sons were murdered at the command of the Mad King, Ares. With Brandon dying of strangulation, trying to reach his father, who was being burnt alive by Ares pyromancers. Jaime was a young member of the Kingsguard when he saw all of this, and it was Sir Gerald Hightower who told him, You swore a vow to guard the king, not to judge him whom everyone considered a better man than him. Jamie, now fully drunk, angrily rants that he is reviled for what he considers his finest act and begins to mock Ned Stark's honor, saying that unlike Ned, a man who fathered a bastard, he has never been unfaithful and that Ned had no right to judge him. The man who avenged his father and brother, but Catelyn has heard enough and calls for Brienne's sword. Uh, so there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack in this chapter. Mm -hmm. um, first, when we're hearing some of the news of when we're when we're hearing some of the news that Catelyn is hearing that her sons that her sons are dead, one of the first things she thinks of is the direwolves, right? Like mm -hmm. how yeah. Sansa and Arya lost theirs, and she told them to keep them close. Um, then she starts thinking about. She just wants her daughters back, and um, they're talking about like Brienne's talking about how she would, you know, like to. Wouldn't it be great to have the Lannisters' heads on a spike, right, to kill them and all this stuff? And Catelyn's starting to saying like she would, she would like to see that. And there's a lot of um, this chapter for me is sort of the chapter where it's like when you think of what Lady Stoneheart will become, 
It's mm-hmm. almost like it's almost like even if Stoneheart didn't happen, this is sort of the chapter where it's like she's started to make that shift into just yeah. being a vengeful. Obviously, given the circumstances, it's understandable, but you can see her psyche start to slowly tilt um, in in that direction. Yeah, and, and one of the things that does it is um, it's these people that she trusted, you know, because like Littlefinger with the dagger later on, Theon, right? Theon was someone who sat at her table and he's the one who's done this. And then the betrayal later on at the Red Wedding. All of these things are done by people near and dear and like like close to her. Um, so yeah, she's, she becomes almost unhinged. She's starting to really, uh, be depressed and, and, and just is despairing. I mean, it's, it is, it is so wild. It's such a sad kind of story and arc and you, you totally see how that character, um, Lady Stoneheart is created and, and how that's all she has left at the end, especially after the Red Wedding. I mean, that, that's why I'm team Stoneheart. You know, I, I, I hate, <laughs> sick of the phrase, sick of the Lannisters. I mean, all of their mistreatment and stuff is just wild. You know, the other thing that you brought up the direwolves, and she does oftentimes, I mean, we know that she's going to become a character who will be a part of the supernatural element, right? And it's interesting that all along the way, she, she really focuses and emphasizes the supernatural and, and like the direwolves and the connection to them. So I just thought that, you know, was was interesting, has always been interesting with with Catelyn, because uh, House Tully doesn't always feel like that magical kind of like that there's a lot of connections to a magical element or a supernatural element, even though they're right there on the Riverlands where we know the children of the forest populated and there's a lot, you know, uh, a lot of good history, a lot of rich history there. But yeah, it's um, to start to the path towards Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, yeah. Just like you said, when she's talking about how the it's it's Theon, it's just one thing after another, and there's also you know Hoster Tully is dying. Like everything's all sort of happening, and these batch of chapters with her at River Run, uh, you can just see everything's like slowly out of her control. Remember a, a few chapters ago, she stopped to pray, right? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she feel it's almost like now even the faith. Aren't are no longer with you, right? To keep she, she's only praying to keep her family safe, and that she thinks isn't happening. Actually, they are all safe. Um, she just doesn't doesn't know it. Um, they're not. They're at least all alive. Um, and so yeah, it's just this slow sort of descent into madness, which I think when helps her become sort of Lady Stoneheart when when she does eventually die and it's brought back. Yeah. And and now she's reaching towards the, this, this desperation. She's got this idea that I'm going to go. I mean, really her company, she at one, one point tries to send Brienne away just to kind of say, Hey, you don't want to be with me. I'm, I'm miserable right now. Go enjoy all this celebration and these things that are happening uh, because they're, they're rooting for Rob. Uh, Ed Muir's on his way back. Go enjoy that. She doesn't. She's also kind of in mourning and still thinking about Renly and and the loss there and what's going to become of her. And Jamie Lannister is captured and he is down in the cells. So let's go down. Let's let this miserable group of people, <laughs> this this trio, get together and just uh, be miserable together. Is is really what what happens? And she sent earlier Jamie some wine, right? And so he's pretty well drunk and maybe maybe loosened up and she wants to go question him she, she feels like she has to just be i think just doing something what can i do now to save and protect or, or preserve my brother and my son and my remaining uh family members so my my do- uh, my uh, my daughters right like sansa and Arya. what can i do i need to do whatever I can to make this happen at the start of this chapter. The only person who knows that she tells, uh, I think it was the Septon and then, uh, uh, Brienne knows as well. She just, she tells her about it. So no one really knows. Yeah. Right. And it's once they find it's a, it's a real immediate reaction. I think had other people known they would have kept a close eye on her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's one of the, uh, I'm looking at the A Song of Ice and it's a really good uh, the A Song of Ice and Fire reread Reddit 
because um, you can see what people are saying. Um, and again, I really like this because you can see people going through the chapter before the show came out. So this was from, uh, well, just Tacos is his Reddit name. Uh, but so I think he, 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 he makes a really good sort of, sort of point about this. And he says, um, you know, as my reread goes on, I'm becoming more and more aware of how each, how different each chapter is. Um, just, you know, just everything he's just sort of picking up as he's going on. Um, He's like, he's like, it's very clear to me in this chapter, the whole castle is cheering, celebrating, drinking, but we barely get a glimpse of it. A cheer sneaks through here and there, a love song here and there. Meanwhile, Kat is living in shadows because her heart is gone and she cannot feel joy. She literally dines in shadows. She moves alone through the empty castle. She is one of two who know of Bran and Rickon. She's the only one to consider that her father is barely alive. Mm-hmm. I yep. think that, that, that sums up really well. And yeah, she's she's the one nobody else knows that information. And then yeah, Hoster Tully is dying and a lot of people just they're not yeah. we just don't hear it from like the 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 guard, you know, just the random soldiers and everything. We just don't we don't get it, so it seems like she's bearing that burden alone. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and and that's uh yeah. I'm glad you I'm glad you read that because all of the the, the shadow play and all of the darkness and just her state of mind. Yeah, it really helps you kind of see, you know, it see, it emphasizes that foreshadowing that's gonna that's gonna happen later on. And actually, that's why I think a lot of times when we do these rereads, it is important to pay attention to little things like that. I mean, to know where these characters are gonna go now and then look back and say, okay. Uh, we can see all the stuff for Lady Stoneheart here, but that's why you and I love doing Winds of Winter predictions and looking lo- looking forward because there, when there are little references like the one I'm going to bring up at the end of this episode, they're 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 little, they're um, they're just hinted at, and they're just word choice that's thrown in around these characters, but it's done purposefully, right? It's done for a reason because the author knows where we're going. And even if it's just the tone or the mood or word choice or whatever, it matters and yeah mm-hmm. she's she's in a really um miserable state yeah now so so as we move forward uh this actually is because uh, i think the show the show does a great job of blurring our our, our mind of how we out of what we actually get of jamie in the books um because remember in the books especially a game of thrones there's barely any jamie lannister i mean so he's like a super villain there's that really the the scene in the show I like that it's there, especially because us book readers will come to appreciate Jamie more by the time we see that scene. Um, there's a scene where Ned is talking to Jamie Lannister, um, and he's sort of saying, like, you know, I was here when your brothers died. And it's all, it actually, it seems sort of sincere um, when he when he says it in in the show and then and then ned's like is that is that really what you tell your is that you know is that what you tell yourself kind of a thing like tells him off um but you don't get that in the books so jamie just feels like a villain so now we're actually getting some jamie lannister like this is our first real insight to who he actually is as a character and it's like okay well he does maybe this guy isn't as bad as we thought um, mm-hmm. And then remember, it's uh, the next book starts off with like a Jamie chapter. It's like right there, and so this is our first insight to this guy. And you're seeing, well, Tyrion isn't as bad as we thought, mm-hmm. you know, because oh, he's a Lannister, but Tyrion, we kind of he seems okay. And now we're getting some of Jamie saying, you know, like, um, the Mad King was a total tyrant. Yeah, right. I, I I killed him. Like, I mean. It's the the scene with Brienne is way better because you get you get the full detail of the whole event. But here he's saying, you know, Ares was the Ares was the Mad King. Yeah, Ares, and this, he burned he burned your husband's family alive. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes, exactly. And he actually uh, in this in this chapter brings up oh gosh oh my god I just um, Hightower Gerald Hightower. Mm-hmm. Um, and who was um, was I think Lord Commander of the Kingsguard during that time, and he said, "You know what? I mean, essentially, just to sum it up for you guys, no one says diddly squat about him standing by and watching the trial by combat, right? Uh, that Lord Stark had to go through with the flames. 
You know what I mean? He demands trial by combat, and Ares says, all right, my champion's the flames. Have at it. I'm going to burn you alive. Wild, I mean, bring out the wildfire. Like, and, and this is, and, and, and that, um, the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard at the time says to Jamie, still, you know, like, it's not, your job is not to judge the king, it's to protect the king. And he's known as one of the greatest you know, members of the, of the Kingsguard, like ever, like right there with Sir Arthur Dane and everyone else. I mean, these guys are epic, right? But they stood by and let these terrible things go on around the Mad King. So is Jamie better than them? Because he saw what they couldn't see. He saw through the, the many lies that are like, which vow do you keep? You're right. The whole Brienne conversation is amazing when he has it later on, like which promises, uh, do, do, do you keep and I just read a, a Jamie chapter where he challenges uh, the current members of the uh, Kingsguard and it's it's epic right. he's thinking back we're to like about I that in our Raven yeah 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 so yeah no it's it's yeah uh, it, this is this is a this is a great chapter in terms of getting sort of insight and I like that it's I like that we get the opposing sort of um, viewpoints really you know because everything all of our story has been so stark focused and then and then it's beginning now we get jamie's side of the story somebody who we've only seen as a villain um it's actually why i really appreciate the cersei chapters that are will be coming up in the next books as well um because then you really get to see everybody's side of the story um and who knows maybe jamie will have full redemption in in mm -hmm. the books right yeah. Maybe he won't go back to Cersei like he did in the show. We don't know. He might be the one who kills her. Valonqar prophecy could still happen. That uh, d yes, man. There are people. Uh, some of the stuff we're going to bring up later today is is uh, is basically all about Jamie's arc. And so, really, what I think is important, and what George likes to do, and we talked to our friend uh, Sir Jimmy about this. It, he likes to write mm -hmm. about that conflict, that inner conflict, the the heart kind of in conflict with itself. You know what I mean? And you're, you're, as the reader, you start off hating this guy. He flat out admits in this chapter that he shoved a little boy out the window to kill him. So that way he and his sister could continue on. You know what I mean? Like, like, and there'd be no witnesses. And the, the, the things you do. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. For love. That's, that's, what, he, that's what he did. Right. Uh, so he admits to these things. I think really, though, I think Jamie originally probably was, I don't know. I, okay, let, let me bring up something here. So later on, when Jamie comes back after his, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead. This is a reread. So we're allowed to do this, folks. Just remember. All right. So we'll yes, jump ahead here. All right. Jamie's hand is cut off. He comes back and Loris Tyrell is sitting across from him and he's a little prick, a little prick. Okay. And literally Jamie is sitting there looking at him saying, that was me. I was like this guy. Was I that arrogant? Was I like that? And he's like reflecting in his older age. And now that he's lost his hand and realizing that he's Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, he's saying, I can't believe that I was like that. Um, but still, I think back when he was serving under the Mad King, I think he probably had more of, you know, when you're younger, you have those, um, 
I don't know, you haven't gone through a whole lot. You haven't experienced the world and you're, you're more likely to be optimistic and think like mm-hmm. just, just to kind of be, you know, believe in chivalry and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I think the way he behaves at the beginning of Game of Thrones goes, the reason he is that way is, has to do with everything that happened to him being called the Kingslayer for years. When he looks in the white yeah. book and he sees, this is all you wrote about me. I'm way more than this. What about my attorneys? What about all these other things? He looks at his book. And by the way, uh, life lesson here, we all need to go look at our book and think about, you know, what can we add to it tomorrow, right? Uh, or today, I should say. Um, so, you know, he, he's thinking about that and reflecting. And it's so cool to be drawn towards a character like that and say, yes, I want to rally behind this guy. I Like, we're sitting here later on in the Storm of Swords saying, I hope he learns how to fight with his left hand and he can take on anyone anyone in Westeros we hated this guy to start with and this is now who Catelyn is going to put her trust in uh you know spoiler right at the end of this uh she calls for uh Brienne's sword but really we know we know what's going to happen there's gonna be some some promising and uh there's gonna be some some you know uh back and forth uh some more words and and uh vows oaths sworn by Jamie to Catelyn but um, yeah, man, it's just kind of wild to, to see Jamie develop and change. And that's George loves to do that, I think, with his readers to say, I'm going to plant a guy that you're going to hate, but I watch what I'm going to do. And you're going to come around and love this guy by the end. And we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, I still like the, I, I, I'll still throw out the possibility. Uh, Jamie could still totally he is a total super candidate to be like Azor High. And ultimately yeah. be the the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Will he kill a the Night King, right? The Kingslayer. Remember, uh, for a long time we thought <laughs> the, the Kingslayer. Kingslayer. And then it's also like you kill Nisa Nisa, and then you stab. Them. Remember the to create Lightbringer? They stabbed it in the heart of a lion. Uh-huh. He could do both at once. He could do both. Yeah. Right. He could. He could do <laughs> both. He could. He could do. He could do both at once. Like, what if he has to kill Cersei? Oh. To, she's going to blow up King's Landing because the White Walkers are there. You know, there's still, all of that stuff. All of those crazy season eight theories we had can still totally happen in the, in the books, right? Yeah, and maybe he will be. Maybe he will kill the Knights King, right? If we if oh, we get something my. like that. And then remember, one of the things they do have at the end uh, of the show. I mean, it's literally it's like is Euron fights Jamie. Mm-hmm. Jamie kills Euron Greyjoy. Now, if that is something where Ger so says, you know, George George says, yeah, oh, and then Euron is going to be like a bad guy at the very end. He's going to be like he's going to be like, like sort of that that he's going to be one of those like final villains. And then he and Jamie will fight, and Jamie kills him. Yeah. Well, if Jamie kills the Euron we have in the books, well, that's that in itself is going to be epic. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> that's huge. And that that's the thing is that. I love the chapter that I'm in with Jamie right now where he's reading back on the likes of Sir Arthur Dane and, and Sir Barristan Selmy, Gerald Hightower. He goes through them, and then you, you can go back even even further, and you can go back to even Sir Kristen Cole and some of those guys who were like, they could command a force. They could The things that they did were just so epic. And Jamie's looking at that book going, I don't even have my sword hand anymore. And we're sitting here going to George, please... Let this be the guy who we rally around his left hand or his wisdom or whatever, his wit, because he's also a very savvy commander. And to think, could he be a guy who, because he has that kind of um, demeanor that he could stand. Could you imagine him standing across from from Euron Greyjoy and just taking literally no crap from him? I mean, that would be... One of the one of the one of the coolest moments, one of my fa- like sort of favorite moments I remember was I think it was what is this is it season six when this all happens? Yeah, I think it's season six. Um remember when we saw the trailer? When we saw the trailer for season six, one of the uh, one of the shots I think is Jamie riding up to the steps of the of like the high septum, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With like an army. Like I want Cersei, you know. Like oh, it's on. Okay. It's on. <laughs> like, it's on. And then Tommen's there. So 
And so that's going to be interesting because right where he's at in the sh in the books, he's way far away from that. A lot of that stuff hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the stuff with the septum yet and, and the faith. Right. Um, but I do think that that's 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 totally still possible. Yeah, this is all tying into to my kettle black theory. <laughs> it's so cool that you're bringing these yeah, things up because so we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Because it to yeah, there, there's a lot more that can happen. His his arc, he's tied uh, just like just like it was. Um, he's he's a twin. His twin is Cersei. He is tied to her, and their fates are interwoven, um, just as they were in the womb. And so George is going to bring us back there. He takes us. He takes them far away from each other physically and like even emotionally and everything else. But ultimately, just like we saw in the show, they will come back together in the end. Now. I don't know if it's going to go the same way, like if they're going to just die there under King's Landing or what the, what the heck's going to happen. He's going to kill. I don't think that's going to be anywhere close to being the, the, the same, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> just, we just, we just dove okay. down and did like a, like a Jamie Lannister Winds of Winter predictions. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's okay. Cause it's, it's part of, it's part of this chapter, but uh, as I think we're going to continue on a little bit here uh, and talk a little bit about Osmond Kettleblack. And some of the things that might happen to this this family, the kettle the kettle black family, in potentially winds of winter. Yeah. So I, let's give a little context here uh, for folks. Just if you've read the series, you've heard the name kettle black just too many times, right? I mean, we hear the uh, there are three of them. No, excuse me, there are four of them. Littlefinger has has their father working for him, Oswald Kettle Black, and who are they? You know, like that we don't know really where they where they come from. We're not really sure. We know that they work for Littlefinger or I'm sorry, do they work for Cersei or Tyrion or who is it that's backing them? So they're an interesting group. And I, I kind of wanted this is this is a, a Sir Ezra just rabbit hole that we were on. And this is what kind of happens. We, we get a little crazy. And I thought I would just start making some connections. So was reading about Jamie and I was reading about him dealing with the white book and thinking about the Kingsguard and thinking about um, all these epic things. And uh, gosh, he starts to reflect on his life. And anytime I'm reading something now in this reread, I start to think, okay, well, where, where is his arc going to go? And I start to interpret what I'm, what I'm that chapter I'm reading. And I try to use it towards a wind winds of winter theory or prediction. And this one's a little crazy, but I, I'm going to go with it. So was it Tyrion? Didn't Tyrion say that that uh you know that she was fucking Osmond Kettleblack? I mean Yeah. I appreciate sure he says so. so like it's it's pretty well known. Osmond Kettleblack and Moonboy. And Moonboy. Was that true as well? You know, like so there's just um the Kettleblacks have gotten in these positions of power. You know, Osmond Kettleblack is a nobody. Like when he's questioned by Jamie. And he wants to know, like, where did you get your knighthood? Where did you serve? Osmond doesn't have really good responses for him. And Jamie calls into question his knighthood. But yet, this is a guy who is, uh, who is here in King's Landing. He has risen all the way to be a member of the uh, Kingsguard. And I just think that that is wild. I think, and I, can't, I forget which one it is, one of the other Kettleblacks is like the head of Cersei's um guard right the lannister household guard and yeah with the youngest one she's making all sorts of plots to uh she's using him to kind of help her conspire against marjorie tyrell and she's going to send him on a mission to the wall you know to kill Jon snow there's just some wild stuff happening with the kettle blacks and when you first start a game of thrones and you're working your way through you're kind of like all right these are just you know, what's a sellsword family, a couple brothers, their father. Now we learn is working for Littlefinger, you know, whatever. But I made an interesting uh, connection and it's it's far fetched. But I, I think I want it. I want it to be something that you guys think about. Leave us a comment. Send us a raven. What have you. Jamie, when he's reflecting about the great deeds of his brothers that wear the white cloak, the Kingsguard, he thinks back to a time, I think it's um, he's thinking about Sir Barristan Selmy, and he's thinking about uh, Sir Arthur Dane. So here it is. I'm going to read it for you guys. He he reflects on a, a particular character called the Smiling Knight. 
Okay. Uh, let's see here. So, um, let's see. His life seemed a rather scant and mingy thing. Sir Barristan could have recorded a few of the other tourneys and victories at least. So he's reflecting, thinking like, why is there not more in my book, right? Sir Gerald might mm -hmm. have written a few more words about the deeds he had performed when Sir Arthur Dane broke the Kingswood Brotherhood. So this is where we're focused at, the Kingswood Brotherhood. He had saved Lord Sumner's life as Big Belly Ben was about to smash his head in. And that was um, Lord Sumner was the one who, who um, you know, he squired under. So let's see. There is a fight that breaks out with an individual called the Smiling Knight, who was a madman. Okay. Jamie is proud of himself, Sir Matt, because he holds his own against the Smiling Knight. All right. Now, this is just a kind of, kind of a loose connection here. But he holds his own. He didn't finish that fight. I feel like there's unfinished business there or whatever. It's Sir Arthur Dane who comes in with the Sword of the Morning and who does fight the Smiling Knight and has to kind of take over. And Sir Arthur Dane is, is coming in there He's and they're fighting. It's this epic thing. And Jamie reflects on that. Okay. But I feel like he's this individual that Jamie held his own and he was happy that, that he did. He felt like that should have been something that was worthy of mentioning like that he fought the Smiling Knight. The Smiling Knight is also known as the Robber Knight, okay? And so my connection to um, Osmond Kettleblack here is that he is this knight that is essentially robbing Cersei from him. He's robbing Cersei away from Jaime, taking her further and further away, especially now that he's lost his hand. So this is, again, kind of a Storm of Swords, Feast for Crows, uh, Dance of Dragons situation. But... If you if you look and there is literally tons of evidence, um, and, and people might think this is this is a stretch, but I think I think it's it's just kind of cool. Uh, let's see, Sir Osmond. Any time that he's mentioned, he's smiling. He is smiling, mm -hmm. Sir Matt. Like he is constantly, he's always there with a ready smile. So Sansa um, is there. This is in this is Sansa six in a Clash of Kings. Sir Osmond and his brothers had become great favorites about the castle. They were always ready with a smile and a jest. Okay. Um, let's see. Tyrion, as he's looking at Sir Osmond, said that he was formidable enough that he stood six feet and six inches, right? He's got this hooked nose, bushy eyebrows. Um, he's got this brown beard that gave his face a fierce aspect so long as he did not smile. Why even throw that in there? Okay. Uh, Sir Osmond Kettleblack managed a smile when he saw Tyrion waddling towards him, feeling strong. Uh, my lord, is, is a question he asked him. He says, let's see, um, at the very end, so now back to A Storm of Swords when in Jamie, I think it's eight, he is talking uh, about the Smiling Knight and the Robber Knight. And he's reflecting on that right before his new brothers walk in. And at the very end, uh, end of this little passage here. Yeah, so here we go. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Yes, the Smiling Knight. So it was, um, they were all in their graves now. So speaking about Sir Arthur Dane and the other members of the Kingsguard. The Sword of the Morning and the Smiling Knight. The White Bull and Prince Lewin, Sir Oswell went and his um, Black Humor, Ernest John Derry, and so on, and his Kingswood Brotherhood. Uh, bluff old Sumner Craycall. And me, that boy I was, when did he die, I wonder? When I donned the white cloak, when I opened Aerie's throat, um, that boy had wanted to be Sir Arthur Dane, but someplace along the way, he had become the Smiling Knight instead. So there's just a lot of him thinking about himself as the Smiling Knight when he wants to be Sir Arthur Dane. I think that Jamie's arc is going to take him to a point where he once was a a um a squire that fought the smiling knight and he couldn't win and it and it took the likes of sir arthur dane to beat the smiling knight i think he'll face the smiling knight once again left-handed and that's that smiling knight will probably be uh the kettleblack it'll be osmond kettleblack a member of the kingsguard like he'll have to become almost as good um or he'll have to be you know rise to that level that sir arthur dane was to beat Sir Osmond Kettleblack. And I just, I just thought that was, that was kind of cool. At the end of that, 
When he heard the door open, he closed the white book and stood to receive his sworn brothers. Sir Osmond Kettleblack was the first to arrive. He gave Jamie a grin as if they were old brothers in arms, right? So, and numerous times when Sir Osmond walks in and meets Jamie, he's grinning. There's another time where he meets him as an old friend. Uh, let's see if I can find that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, Sir Osmond came trotting back to her. Yeah, uh, he was... He, oh, when they're describing uh, uh, his other brothers, they talk about them having a scowl versus a smile. I don't know. I mean, is, is it just... Am I... You know, is, is it just kind of... Um, like the smiling knight is important to Jamie. No, it's and then you have a knight around him who is smiling, who is a robber, who is stealing Cersei. And I just you know, wonder if there's a, a more of a connection there. Any thoughts? No, I agree with you 100%. It's it's and it's great. It's definitely interesting that, that that's something that caught your attention because those are the themes and those are the things that George Martin will write into his books and that's how he writes his characters. It's tons of these tiny, small, little, the, the smallest of details that show up time and time again are lead to the biggest of secrets, right? Yeah. And the biggest uh, uh, events. And this is, I think maybe you're right. This could be one of them. Well, in numerous times. So from that point, from that meeting moving forward, um, so Jamie will notice the proximity, like Osmond Kettleblack is kept so close to Cersei. She puts her arm around him. There's questions of manhood, like he's becoming more and more jealous of this individual. And I just kind of see, I, I am, am almost foreseeing that this might be someone who, depending on how the trial shapes out, you still have a long way to go, right? Like we don't even know if the Kettleblacks are going to make it. I mean, they're imprisoned. I think two of them are imprisoned by Kyburn and one by the Faith. And will they even make it? Uh, some people have predicted that Cersei, even if she gets out of all of this, or, or, or that she might not stay in King's Landing. You know, it could be that young Griff moves into or Aegon, uh, true Aegon. Some people like to call him Fagon. I don't, I don't know what's up with that. But may right. come to King's Landing and may force her out. Well, who has she been leaning on? Um, I, I think if Osmond Kettleblack is still alive, that would be someone who she would want to take with her. If Kyburn's there, that's awesome. You know, um, yeah, I, I, like then she'll be going back to Casterly Rock. Some people have speculated that the Kettleblacks may be furious with her afterwards and may want to try to assassinate her, and that might be at a request from Littlefinger. Ultimately, they work for Littlefinger. Has Osmond gotten some grand notion that he's a member of the Kingsguard? Has he is he is he still not someone who can be bought by Littlefinger? But could he be used against Cersei and go after her and try to assassinate her in some way? Would that then force Jamie to step in and save his sister? You know, it's just, it's just thoughts. I just kind of foresee like those two possibly coming together in some way. There's tons of tension between them. And then when I found the connection between smiling and the smiling knight and Jamie wanting to not be the smiling knight, but to be Sir Arthur Dane who defeated the smiling knight and for that to be written in his white book i thought that might be there might be something there there might be oh that's a that's that is a very very good good point that is a very very cool interesting connection that, that you found um because again as i said those are the details those are the things that george will write right it's uh, yeah, it could be small it could he, it, it could up. be it could be yeah but yeah, I think it's yeah. You and I were talking. You and I were talking the other day about maybe the idea of Cersei being the one to sort of kill Osmond Kettleblack. Um, mm -hmm. Like we were talking yeah. about how in the show, it's we see um, when the Sept of Baelor gets about is about to get blown up. It's um, Lancel Lannister. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the one that's ultimately down there, and right, he gets stabbed, oh, yeah. and then he drops the yep. torch, and and we were we were talking about maybe the 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 possibility of it being Osmond Kettleblack, right? That's that that's down there and she's going to like get rid of him cuz remember Kevin Lannister is and you and I are, we're working on maybe doing another video just on his death because it changes uh everything. <laughs> to yes. be to be completely honest, um cuz Kevin Lannister is is somebody who's killed right when the Seth of Baylor blows up. So, but um 
that was before you had made this connection here, the sort of smiling night laughing, you know, the, the, and him as well. Wow. I don't know. Now I'm, now I'm totally backtracking my, my thoughts on maybe it would be Cersei that would get rid of them. Right. Just as kind of like, yeah. I don't need them around anymore. I used them for what I did, for what I needed. Um, and, but now I think I'm more, I am more in, on the line of it's going to be Jamie. Um, now remember in the show, the mountain almost like threatens to kill Jamie. Like he steps in front and Cersei doesn't have, mm -hmm. remember that's yeah. kind of like their big break. Yeah. Maybe, it, maybe instead of the mountain, cause I think Clegane bowl is likely to happen sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Um, if you look at like the grave digger, yeah. Yep. And if Cersei has to go on trial, maybe maybe Jamie doesn't fight, and so she uses the mountain, and then you know the Grave Digger, supposedly the Hound, is still alive. It's sort of working at this like monastery. What if they say we have somebody, and then that we get Clegane earlier? Then if you do get a sort of break like we saw in the show with Cersei and Jamie, where they split, um, maybe it's maybe it's Osmond Kettleblack who is is gonna is gonna fight jamie and then maybe jamie and then jamie kills him yeah it, so i remember you brought that point earlier in the reread you were talking about euron and in the show he's the mm -hmm. one who marries his next to cersei right i think it's again they simplified all of that in the show but jamie does confront someone who is by cersei's side so if you take that idea and you say who if it's not euron who is the guy that could be next to cersei kettle black is is, is an option I mean, Osmond Kettleblack, if he makes it out and she she brings him along or whatever, because I think she's really pissed. I forget which which Kettleblack brother. Um, it was the one who was tortured by the faith. It was the youngest one, I, I think, because he broke and basically said, she told me to lie. So Sir Osmond, who she's closest with, who's the oldest and who is a member of the Kingsguard and closer to her, uh, she has a better relationship with, I believe. And that might be someone who she would keep around her. So just going based off the show there, Possibly Jamie could interact um, with him. She could say, you weren't here for me, right? I, I had to use the mountain in my trial by combat. Thankfully, I got out of that or there was some weird situation where it didn't work out, but I blew up the Sept of Baylor. And, you know, from all that, I ran away with, with Sir Osmond and, you know, and, and then now Jamie's face, facing him. I think some of the Kettleblacks probably will die. I just don't, I, you know, we, again, there's three of them. Not really sure how that's all going to shape out. Who's going to be at the Sept? Who's not going to be, you know, what, what, if, what, if what that is Kyber doing to them? If yeah. the Sept of Baylor does, if the Sept of Baylor does get blown up in the in the show, yeah, um, because then another the other person you kind of have to take in consideration is Bronn, um, because Bronn's storyline towards the end of the Game of Thrones is like a total wash, because the actor Leona, uh, you know. Lena Hetty and uh, oh yeah, named, uh, Flynn Jerome Jerome Flynn yeah like there's all there was rumors that I I've, I'm pulling it up now and it looks like they've kind of uh, rebuffed that a little bit and said no that's not the case but we don't know right 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 yeah <laughs> but good, so there were bit. there were rumors for a long time that they didn't even want to be on the on scenes together um, and then we see Bronze kind of showing up at the end right with the crossbow like hey you guys are going to do stuff so who knows. Um, that could be another person where maybe it's Braun and Jamie that fight or something like that, and that would replace maybe an Osmond Kettleblack or something like that. But no, I think I think I'm more in line now that I think with since you brought up all that stuff about the smiling, um, the smiling knight and all those connections there. I think it's more likely that Clegane Bowl happens earlier, which moves the Mountain and the Hound. I think they'll probably just kill each other um, off screen maybe or off page off book and then the scene where we saw jamie and cersei sort of clash where the mountain stepped in maybe that is osmond kettleblack and maybe that's when yeah. that fight takes place yeah yeah L let me give you one more situation because this book this is not over right so the kettleblacks are not a large part of this i mean they're around they're they're referenced quite a bit but if you got to a point in Winds of Winter where Jamie was again reflecting on Sir Arthur Dane and his fight and how maybe how he was um, he was happy that he held his own against the Smiling Knight, if he continues to reflect in any way, shape, or form on the Smiling Knight or that that duel with Sir Arthur Dane and Osmond Kettleblack is nearby smiling, I just think there's there's room to make a connection there, and I think you know it's it's it could be could bear out it could, it could be important. Um, 
it's one of his most distinguishing features. Now, all the brothers smile, but it seems as if Osman is the one who is, uh, yeah, well, one of I think it's it's the middle brother that doesn't smile, that scowls more than he smiles. And then the other, then the youngest one has, um, he has some scars, I think some uh, across his face or whatever. And it's Osman again, who has that easy smile. So, you know, take it for yeah. what you will, friends. I mean, I would love to get some people's thoughts. And, and I, I literally just did, Matt knows this. I probably did like, I don't know what, 30 minutes just like looking through. I mean, I, I haven't really thought right. this through entirely, but I just kept finding those, those connections. And I thought it's something new, something a little different Thought we, we give it a go and, and see what you guys think. So, yeah, absolutely. So, guys, yeah, leave us a comment. And let us know. Yeah. All right. As uh, with that, I think that is our show for today. Um, man, we are flying through this book. We are almost done. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I'm. I'm. I like I said. I'm. I'm happy for us to like really get into um, a storm of swords because there's so many more connections and our conversations will take us down i think way more rabbit holes than they do in this in this book because we just know too much information mm -hmm. from that book that we always want to lean into those conversations and we're not quite there right. yet so i i can't wait for that the storm of swords is my fa is my favorite i think it's the best book of the five yeah yeah, you're probably right. I'm, I'm I'm blitzing through it right now, and I'm 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 kind of doing like a double reread, like I'm going chapter by chapter here. But I get off of uh, uh you know our, our our podcast, and I'll in the morning when I head back to work, boom, man, I'm picking right back up there, and I'll get through three to four chapters. It's just I'm flying through it. Yeah, you know. And you're right. It does. It does. I remember. I remember uh, the iTunes comment we got where somebody said. Um, it was a nice game. It was a four star review, but he said we talked about the same people a lot, and I was like, well, that's kind of because where we're at, right? Um, but really, a Clash of Kings. Now that you know, we get a little more Theon, we get a little more Davos. But next book is where everything just really—it's like the door. The doors are open, right? Because yeah. with the exception of like Young Griff, I mean, everybody. I mean, we got to start talking about the Ghost of High Heart. We get to talk about more of the Tyrells. We get to talk, you know, yeah, Arya and the Hound. I mean, it's all there, right? Oh yeah, it's gonna be exciting, and I, I'm hoping to. Get there. Probably, we think by the end of the summer we'll be there. I think, right? Uh, yeah, we're on how many chapters? I don't have it pulled up here. I think we're on uh, chapter see here. fifty-six. So we've got, you know, there. Let me. See. I got it pulled up here. There's sixty-nine chapters, um, and we're on fifty-six. The on five. We're we're done with Catlin. That was our last Catlin chapter. So we yeah. kind of go back and forth here, and we're this is pretty much gonna be the um battle of the blackwater that's happening just next i mean you have this theon chapter but then it's sansa davos Tyrion, sansa Tyrion, sansa then we get the one daenerys chapter that always breaks up everything um yeah. and then yeah. it's Arya, sansa theon Tyrion, john bran so that little end part there where bran's gonna all right we're gonna go north and see what happens so yeah to end to to, to end it but yeah exciting yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I'm, I'm actually. I think this summer too. By the way, I, uh, I only have like friends. I don't know if I've mentioned this uh, in, in a bit. Uh, Sir, Sir Ezra's taking a new path, so if, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to YouTube and helping us out there, I'd appreciate it. Like, <laughs> my, my, I am definitely a, a hedge knight here, and I may pledge my sword. Uh, just who knows where to any of you who uh, will support us over on YouTube or support, support us over on Patreon. So we're looking at doubling down on some some content on YouTube and. Uh, Sir Matt and I, he knows I have a vacation coming up in the summertime. So we're going to be, I think we tear through a lot of these Clash of Kings chapters early summer, get those, you know, locked up or whatever. Those will be out. They'll be ahead. We'll be, yeah. 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 So that's exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, with that, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing chapter 56, Theon 5 of A Clash of Kings. Absolutely. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember, that winter is coming.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co. 